This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Monday, August 15th, 2022, the 572nd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at imyourmoderator.substack.com. So if you want to support this show and me and the work I do, that is the best way to do it. I was in Scottsdale for the weekend participating in the pit event put on by Catherine Engelbrecht of True the Vote and Greg Phillips of OPSEC. You would know them from the 2000 Mules movie. If you haven't watched that yet, you absolutely should. I'm going to get to some of that in a bit, but I want to cover a few of the things that have happened over the last three days, four days that it's been between when I finished the show on Thursday and right now. And let's start with the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago, the home of President Donald J. Trump. Human events got their hands on the warrant document 
and the property receipts. And they published this on Thursday afternoon. Uh, they have an article up on their website, warrant and property receipt from Mar-a-Lago raid. Jack Posobiec reporting. Human Events has obtained a copy of the search warrant filed to search former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence. The warrant was filed in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida and details information about the property and the search. The warrant details the address and locations to be searched, including that, quote, the locations to be searched include the 45 office, all storage rooms and all other rooms or areas within the premises used or available to be used by F. POTUS, which I guess is former president of the United States and his staff in which boxes or documents could be stored, including all structures or buildings on the estate. The warrant did not include a call to search parts of the property that are in use by members of the Mar-a-Lago Club or rentals. It further reads that the property to be seized includes, quote, all physical documents and records constituting evidence, contraband, fruits of crime or other illegally possessed in violation of legal codes, including any physical documents with classification markings, along with any containers or boxes, including any other contents in which such documents are located, as well as any other containers or boxes that are collectively stored or found together with the aforementioned documents and containers or boxes. Information, including communications in any form regarding the retrieval, storage or transmission of national defense information or classified material, any government and or presidential records created between January 20th, 2017, the day Trump took office and the end of his term. Additionally, the warrant demands the seizure of any evidence of the knowing alteration, destruction or concealment of and government and or presidential records of or of any documents with classification markings. So basically, they can take just about anything that fits into one of those overbroad categories. And the other interesting thing about those overbroad categories and the way they were described is that implicit in those descriptions are the quote unquote crimes or illegal acts that they would be targeting the president for. And of course, the media will run with all of those descriptions under the assumption that Donald Trump is, in fact, guilty of the sorts of violations implied in the warrant. Understanding the real situation is not necessary. Understanding the past situations in the context of what's emerging now, not necessary. The presumption of innocence, absolutely not necessary. And the fact that the president can declassify whatever he wants all the time is also apparently not necessary. Stories came out about how the FBI was searching for critical national security related documents potentially involving our nuclear program and nuclear weapons. They're now trying to claim that Donald Trump must have violated the Espionage Act. We know for a fact that Barack Obama was signing a terrible nuclear deal with Iran and shipping them planefuls of cash. We know that Hillary has plenty of shadiness going on with Uranium One, but no, Trump is putting the entire country at risk of a nuclear disaster for sure. 
And despite this eminent risk that means the FBI has to go raid the former president's house, even though they'd been down before and were given access to whatever they wanted, even though Trump and his attorneys have been working with the FBI the entire time, they still had to go launch this raid. But they waited three days after the warrant was signed. The critical national security documents were there. The world was potentially on the brink of a nuclear disaster. Because Donald Trump was working with foreign nations to expose the United States to a nuclear threat so that he could retake his illegitimate power, the authoritarian dictator that he is. But also, it was a Friday afternoon, and you don't want to have to work on the weekends, so let's just go ahead and wait till Monday, and then we'll make sure Trump can't cause a nuclear disaster. If anything happens over the weekend, hey. It was the weekend and all hardworking Americans know that you can't be blamed for something if you're not at the office. But for sure, Trump had such critical and dangerous national security information, documents, compromising material that the FBI couldn't simply just ask for the material, even though Trump has fully cooperated with them in the past, as have his attorneys. They had to go and raid his home. They wanted the public spectacle. They wanted to exploit the situation. And we discussed last week one of the ways that they were attempting to exploit that situation was by claiming that MAGA world Trump supporters out there, all the no-no people, all the conspiracy theorists and QAnons would finally resort to widespread violence in response to the illegitimate government going after their cult leader. And there was no better way to show the country that that was a serious threat than to have an FBI shooter go and try to get into the FBI office and then fail and then lead the FBI on a car chase that ends with a shootout. And as you might guess, if you've been following these things, the suspect was, of course, the perfect criminal who admitted what he was going to do online, but not just online, on Donald Trump's social media site and app, Truth Social. This is what CNN had to say about it the next day. The FBI is investigating Schiffer's, this is Ricky Schiffer, the FBI shooter, the Truth Social member. The FBI is investigating Schiffer's social media presence and whether he had ties to right-wing extremism a federal law enforcement source told CNN on the social media platform founded by Trump truth, social an account bearing Schiffer's name made a post Thursday morning that appeared to reference an attempt to storm an FBI office. The post was made minutes after the Ohio state highway patrol said the incident at the office in Cincinnati began shortly after nine fifteen AM. Well, I thought I had a way through bulletproof glass and I didn't. The user posted at 929 a.m. Thursday. If you don't hear from me, it is true I tried attacking the FBI and it'll mean either I was taken off the Internet, the FBI got me, or they sent the regular cops while. It's unclear whether the user intended to write more as the post stops after while. Oh, but it's because he was in the middle of a crime. He tried to break into the FBI office, couldn't, and so he wrote, you know, 90% of a post and hit send because, you know, you have to assume that that's when the car chase started. 
So he thought he had a way through bulletproof glass. Now, what way did he think he was going to have? He brought a gun, but it's bulletproof, right? And he brought a nail gun. So maybe the nail gun was the way through bulletproof glass. I guess now we have to ban nail guns. Or we could just ban Truth Social. So people dug into Ricky Schiffer's account on Truth Social. He had like 32 followers. He set up his account five days before he tried to storm the FBI office. He was following a bunch of liberal accounts. So as you might be able to surmise, totally typical MAGA supporter, conspiracy theorist, QAnon, violent criminal. That's what all of them do. Sign up for social media platforms, make it clear that they're about to commit domestic terrorism, and then follow a bunch of liberals so they can announce their crimes on Donald Trump's social media platform. Now, this was the exact sort of thing that the government used to try to get 4chan and 8chan and 8coon shut down. They've done this, I believe, with Gab. They always try to say that all of these alternative social media sites are hotbeds for racism and white supremacy and violent rhetoric. And there's just no place for that on the Internet. The right to free speech does not include the right to hate speech, they say. And so rather than targeting the people whose speech they actually have a problem with, the only solution is to shut the entire site down to make sure no one has a place to express dissenting ideas to other people who may not believe everything the media tells them and everything they see on Twitter and Instagram. They want a much fuller story, knowing that we are in the midst of a propaganda and censorship regime. There have to be ways around that. So if people find ways around that, what does the government then do? Got to shut down those ways, too. But the truth social aspect is kind of faded out. They're not going to get what they wanted out of that, at least in terms of shutting the site down. But they probably did some measure of work in convincing people who might be curious about what's being talked about elsewhere to instead fear any new platforms because they don't want to be exposed to all of the conspiracy theories and all of the white supremacy, all of the scary ideas out there in the world that are definitely just rampant on these sites, even though if you look for 10 minutes, you'll find that's not true. And just as the truth social aspect has faded away from the public spotlight a bit, the Ricky Schiffer as FBI shooter story disappeared within 24 hours, and no one's even talking about it anymore. So what are these stories for? Just the headlines? Isn't this an important revelation about the state of the world? Aren't MAGA supporters attacking everybody? Where are the violent riots? Where is the Antifa BLM style reaction to this? We're told that the MAGA people are all the violent ones. Why aren't they destroying things the way the media said they would? Now, all of these are questions that normal people might think about if they were thinking in normal ways. But inside the false reality, that stuff doesn't matter. The underlying truth of any of these particular aspects of the story, those don't matter either. They get the headline. The headline confirms their feeling. Their feeling is Trump supporters are violent. They get a headline that there's an FBI shooter. This person is mad at the FBI for going after Donald Trump. 
That's all these people need to then assume that MAGA is having this crazy overreaction and they're about to attack the entire country. It's lunacy and it's obvious lunacy. But the people who are still addicted to the central narrative can't and don't and won't see it. Each one of these little nuggets of information confirms to them the emotional reaction they're already having. And it tells them that not only is the original story true, it's actually so much worse than you thought. These people are so much more dangerous than you could have ever imagined. So we move on into the weekend and now Trump is potentially guilty of espionage. They don't care how many documents Hillary Clinton had stored on her server that were top secret and classified and sensitive compartmented information. They don't care about the 30 million documents that Obama just took and hid away from everybody. No one has access to them. They were supposed to all be digitized and stored with the National Archives. That never happened. None of that's a big deal. Donald Trump is committing espionage. And the proof is that the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago three days after the warrant was issued. And now we hear something about nuclear. We hear something about violence. We hear something about bad people on social media. Well, over the weekend, we find out that there are actually FBI whistleblowers coming forward because apparently they actually do care about preserving America's system of justice and equal treatment under the law preserving the reputation of the institution that they're devoting their lives to working for. And so we'll see how all that evolves. And Paul Sperry from Real Clear Investigations has been going much deeper on this and publishing a series of posts on Getter over the weekend explaining some of the context of this situation. This is from Friday evening. Developing. Sources say the FBI agents and officials who were involved in the raid on former President Trump's home work in the same counterintelligence division of the FBI that investigated Trump in the Russiagate hoax and are actively under criminal investigation by special counsel John Durham for potentially abusing their power, investigating Trump in the Russia fraud and therefore have a potential conflict of interest and should have been recused from participating in this supposed espionage investigation at Mar-a-Lago. So the people who executed the Russiagate hoax are now directly involved in the Mar-a-Lago raid. And so we see a story that is Six plus years in the making and its development coming around again. And this is all new for a whole lot of people out there who were never following any of this stuff six years ago. And Sperry added on to all of this yesterday with a series of posts on Getter. Breaking the Biden Justice Department and FBI effectively spied on the primary residence of prospective 2024 presidential candidate Donald Trump for two months after seizing security video surveillance footage, including of residents going in and out of rooms at Mar-a-Lago and then watching the footage for supposed suspicious activity. So they were monitoring Mar-a-Lago the entire time to create a premise for this new raid and investigation. Sperry goes on. 
The New York Times, which has counterintelligence sources inside the DOJ grand jury investigation of Trump, has not been able to corroborate Washington Post reporting that investigators suspect Trump has been hoarding nuclear weapons secrets. Even so, Biden presidential historian Michael Beschloss this morning on Meet the Press went so far as to assert with no basis in fact that Trump may have passed on nuclear secrets to a foreign power such as Russia. And Beschloss just a couple of days before was hinting that Donald Trump should be prosecuted and then executed for these crimes that are just being made up on the fly. But that Michael Beschloss goes on one of the biggest news programs on television and tells the country on the basis of no information whatsoever that Donald Trump might be passing on nuclear secrets to Russia. And now, of course, television viewers believe all that. Back to Paul Sperry. In a spate of irresponsible reporting comparable only to his reckless reporting during the Russia collusion hoax, NBC News national security correspondent Ken Delanian this morning breathlessly speculated the boxes the FBI removed from Mar-a-Lago possibly contain the names of CIA sources in Moscow based solely on the fact the FBI cataloged some material as top secret sensitive compartmented information. We're talking about things like names of CIA sources in Moscow or images from the most advanced spy satellites. So two different methods of espionage that Donald Trump is committing with Russia. They are really committed to the story that Donald Trump is somehow working with Russia. And everybody knows that we must hate Russia due to what they did to Ukraine. Except at the same time, the United Nations Human Rights Office has published their updated casualty numbers showing the civilian casualties in Ukraine. And as a portion of Ukraine's population, these civilian casualty rates are actually below the murder rates for major U.S. cities. So let that one bounce around in your head for a few days. But back to Sperry. Biden administration and mainstream media trying to criminalize the fact that President Trump stored presidential records at his home so sensitive he had to build a skiff, which, by the way, already included a lock on the door. Biden DOJ simply demanded a bigger one. But President Clinton and Secretary Hillary also had a skiff built in the basement of their home in Chappaqua where they also received and stored classified information and nobody raised an eyebrow. So they tried to pitch the story that Donald Trump having a skiff built at Mar-a-Lago meant that he must be trying to cover up nefarious activities, except there was already a skiff there. And it turns out the Clintons had a skiff built in the Chappaqua home. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? That every single thing they accuse Donald Trump of doing is something they have already done themselves. Isn't that incredible how that works? It's almost like they want to change the public's perception of all this in case people find out that they've done all these other things in the past. Because we might know these things and the mainstream media has reported these things over the years, but the mainstream media's audience that still exists now 
They don't know any of this stuff. And if they hear about it, they won't care because then they'll say what they always say, which is Donald Trump is even worse. So it doesn't matter who did what. We can't have Donald Trump and his supporters back in control of anything. They'll destroy our democracy. It's okay that we cheat in elections because the other guys are going to destroy our democracy. Once again, back to Sperry. This is Russiagate 2.0. They were busted trying to frame Trump as a traitor previously, and now they're launching a new witch hunt in a desperate attempt to suspend disbelief about their guilt in the last witch hunt. This new frame up also serves as a way to dirty him up heading into 2024, seeing how their January 6th pre-impeachment effort has failed. And he goes on breaking more evidence. The FBI raid was a fishing expedition to find something, anything, and not a narrowly scoped search for allegedly missing classified materials pursuant to the Presidential Records Act. Attachment B of the warrant allowed agents to seize entire boxes of records, including those covered by attorney client privilege. If just a single document inside the container was marked with a classified marking, and even if the classification was as low as confidential. In addition, agents were allowed to also seize any containers or boxes in proximity to found together with such boxes, according to attachment B property to be seized. That's all from the warrant. So these boxes weren't packed by Trump, and there's been no indication so far that the boxes were ever unsealed, opened or altered in any way. So if there was a piece of confidential information in any of these, and remember, Donald Trump is the ultimate authority on what is classified and declassified while president. If there was any of this information packed into any of those boxes and they would know if the person packing the boxes had the records of this information, then they could take the entire box, even if there is attorney-client privileged information in the box. If there's anything that fits the description of the material to be seized in one of the boxes, then they get everything in that box, and that also gives them reason to take anything else nearby. This is kind of a parallel to the way they abused FISA warrants. While executing the Russiagate hoax in 2016, FISA warrants were falsely obtained, or I should say obtained on false information and false premises. But the FISA warrant allows them to track the communications of who the warrant is issued, the subject of the warrant, that person's communications, anyone that person talks to, anyone the person they're talking to talks to, and then one full level of that outward once again. So the warrant on one person could end up casting a net as large as hundreds or potentially thousands of people that the three-letter agencies would then gain access to, and they could track all the communications of these people. It's the assumption that there's one bad thing going on in this very specific place, but we can't really know all that much about it just from the one specific thing. So we've got to go out a couple levels. If there might be a confidential document in one of the boxes, then we get everything in the box and we get everything in the boxes near that box. And if you do that a couple times in a couple different ways, well, then you can pretty much take everything everywhere, hold on to it forever and do whatever you want with it. And today, Trump's actually released a statement about how the FBI seized his passports three of them, one which was already expired, 
Why does the FBI need Donald Trump's passports? And here's the last post in this spree from Paul Sperry. House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff and other Democratic leaders are planning to launch their own investigations and hold hearings on Mar-a-Lago. And in the meantime, they are asking DNI Haynes to brief them about what the national security secrets the intelligence community may have recovered from Trump which no doubt trigger another round of anti-Trump leaks to the media from Schiff's office, this time ahead of the November midterms. And again, that's exactly what we saw while Trump was in office. Adam Schiff, being on the Intelligence Committee, would go into these briefings that no one is allowed to discuss, at least directly, and then he would go out to the media and tell them in very generalized terms about what was found. He would continue to say, we have strong reason to believe that Trump really did X, Y, Z with Russia, but we can't say more about it because this stuff is classified information. I'm just giving you the idea. I'm giving you reason to believe that Donald Trump is guilty of all of it. I mean, I can't prove it because I'm not allowed to, but I'm giving you what we need to maintain national security so that the public knows how very, very dangerous Donald Trump is. And now they're just going to run that again with Mar-a-Lago. It's kind of interesting timing. It sounds like they want to do a new sort of J6 committee because nobody believes the J6 committee anymore. And speaking of the J6 committee, they're supposed to do their primetime hearing on September 12th, which is the Monday night before the last Tuesday primary of this election cycle. We have Liz Cheney's election in Wyoming tomorrow. I actually expect there to be some major news story dropping this afternoon or this evening that will attempt to distract the country from the fact that Liz Cheney, the new hero of all centrists, is going to have her political career ended tomorrow. Maybe they figure there's some way that they can get people back on board the Liz Cheney thing or just dampen turnout for her opponent or create a diversion big enough for her to steal the election in Wyoming and just keep on going. Oh, Wyoming Republicans decided it was time to take January 6th super seriously. They just realized how important Liz Cheney really is to the Republican Party, and they swept in in huge numbers with the help of some Democrats that were told to vote for Liz Cheney, and Liz Cheney pulled it out. We could be hearing that tomorrow night and Wednesday morning, but let's hope that's not the case. Either way, We'll see if I'm right about this whole Monday night thing. So here is Donald Trump's statement from yesterday. The FBI has a long and unrelenting history of being corrupt. Just look back to the days of J. Edgar Hoover. In the modern era, nothing has changed except that it has gotten far worse. Look at Comey, McCabe, Strzok, and lover Lisa Page. Check out the brilliantly written but damning IG reports. See what they were willing to do in order to get crooked Hillary Clinton elected. They failed and got caught. They spied on my campaign, pushed the fake dossier and illegally used the FISA court. The inspector general said the FBI acted with gross incompetence and negligence. I was fully vindicated in the Russia, Russia, Russia scam, the no collusion Mueller investigation, impeachment hoax one, impeachment hoax two and all else. Now they raid my home. 
ban my lawyers and without any witnesses allowed, break the lock that they asked us to install on the storage area that we showed them early on, which held papers that they could have had months ago for the asking and without the ridiculous political grandstanding of a break in to a very storied, important and high visibility place just before the midterm elections. The whole world was watching as the FBI rummaged through the house, including the former first lady's closets and clothing alone and unchecked. They even demanded that the security cameras be turned off. We refused, but there was no way of knowing if what they took was legitimate or was there a plant. This was, after all, the FBI, and I'm sure the media would fact check that and say that Donald Trump was creating a conspiracy theory by asserting that there may have been evidence planted during the raid or who knows what else could have been planted, whether that might be additional monitoring equipment or anything else. We know that they were surveilling Mar-a-Lago, even watching guests go into and out of their rooms for two months. None of what the FBI is doing is legal. It doesn't correspond to any actual threat. The premises of all of this are counterfactual and ridiculous, but yet there's still a portion of this country that will ignore all of the details, all of the hypocrisy, all of the conflicting information and all of the FBI's history and just care about the fact that the get Trump operation is still in full effect. Their silver bullet might eventually come. And then finally, one of their walls are closing in around Donald Trump stories will be proven true. Now, before we get to anything having to do with the pit, I want to update on the status of the CDC and COVID as it has developed over the last few days. The CDC changed their COVID guidances. They essentially announced the end to COVID, but of course it will not be taken that way because COVID can never actually end if you're the sort of person who's still wearing two masks in the car. None of this information will make any difference to them. New CDC guidance on COVID-19 focuses on individual decisions. That's how it's being portrayed. So after nearly two and a half years of being told what to do in basically every aspect of your life so that you can deal with the very deadly pandemic. Now the choices are yours. Now individual decision-making is our response to this pandemic that has a death rate absolutely on par with an average flu. Here are the adjustments. Those exposed to the virus are no longer required to quarantine. Apparently just not at all. They're not worried anymore that you might have gotten the virus due to your exposure and then could expose someone else, even if you don't feel sick. That's the entire basis of the pandemic, asymptomatic spread, something that people like me and plenty of world experts who I was listening to said wasn't possible and wasn't happening. But the entire logic behind the COVID response was that asymptomatic spread was not only happening, but it was the biggest threat. You should presume that everyone is sick, even if they're not sick. You should presume that everyone is a vector for disease and then treat them accordingly, which means stay very far away from them, command them to do things that they don't want to do and that don't have any possibility of working 
and benefiting society, ending the pandemic, like masking or like taking the vaccine or like quarantining, all of those things we had to do. Now we don't have to. Unvaccinated people now have the same guidance as vaccinated people. So, hey, sorry, all of you millions of people lost your jobs due to vaccine mandates. Sorry, millions more were forced to sign up for a dangerous medical experiment that they did not want to take part in so that they could keep their jobs and keep their homes and keep feeding their families. All of that is gone now. There is no longer any societal benefit in terms of what you're allowed to do that comes from getting the vaccine. The vaccinated and the unvaccinated are just now all the same again, except they're not the same because all of the vaccinated people signed up for a dangerous medical experiment that is wreaking havoc on their immune systems. So congratulations, vaccines. Great call. But I know, I know you wanted to travel. You wanted to go to restaurants. You wanted to begin normal life again. And surely the government was just going to allow you to do that after systematically dismantling your freedoms for two plus years. Students can stay in class after being exposed to the virus. Well, that only makes sense now if everyone can. But you got to remember that the students of the country had some of the harshest restrictions. Children had to wear masks in school. They put up plexiglass between their desks. They kept them out of school for remote learning. All of these with terrible consequences on the children. College students had many of the same requirements, and they were mandated to get the vaccine so that they could return to college last fall. But all that, that's gone too. And then they add this great one. It's no longer recommended to screen those without symptoms. So no more testing for healthy people. That's what that means. How did we get all of those cases and all of those COVID deaths that were only recorded as COVID deaths due to testing that has a high degree of false positivity? You could go into the hospital for a broken wrist and they would give you a COVID test. And if that faulty test came up positive, well, now you're a COVID hospitalization. And if you have to stay in the hospital for a few days, maybe your wrist is really messed up and you need surgery. Well, then they can put you on the hospital COVID protocol, which is remdesivir and a ventilator. And all of a sudden you might die from a broken wrist, but it won't be dying from a broken wrist. It'll be dying from that COVID test you took, even though you were healthy. And you must remember hearing about all of those cases and how there were areas of high degrees of infection. Those places needed even harsher restrictions. The cases, the cases, the cases, the cases were responsible for all of it. That was what made the public believe that their lives were under threat every time they walked out the door. They were led to believe that COVID was everywhere all the time. Assuming that the millions of cases were all different people suddenly becoming supremely ill with this brand new virus that no one understands, which is why we must take every possible precaution. Even if there's no scientific evidence, it would work because better safe than sorry. I mean, sure, we absolutely destroyed society, but it was to keep everyone safe. Don't you understand? The CDC also removed information about the mRNA spike protein staying in the body on their website. They have had this, the mRNA and the spike protein do not last long in the body. 
our cells break down mRNA from these vaccines and get rid of it within a few days after vaccination. Scientists estimate that the spike protein, like other proteins our bodies create, may stay in the body up to a few weeks. But now they've decided that that stuff is misinformation. Well, if that's not true, then what would the opposite claim be? That our cells don't break down mRNA from these vaccines and get rid of it within a few days. If you got the vaccine, how does that revelation make you feel about your choice? Same thing with the spike protein. If it turns out your body's not actually getting rid of the spike protein, how does that make you feel about your choice? The spike protein erodes your immune system. And what if it just stays there? What if the mRNA tells the body to keep producing the spike protein that tears down your immune system? And what if knowing all of that, people keep going out and getting boosters? It's kind of a big mistake for the CDC to have made on their website for the fact checkers of the world to begin calling people conspiracy theorists and the social media platforms to begin taking them down. But don't worry, the CDC are all still very competent experts who are always telling the truth and just have the health of everyone in mind. So the initial claims on their website, those weren't just for the sake of denying the problems with the experimental gene therapy. They were doing their best at the time Information has now changed, and to be the responsible people they are at the CDC, they've updated the website. Just like with the new COVID guidances, with the testing and the quarantining and the treatment of the unvaccinated, the science has just magically changed. Are they explaining the changes and how the science might have changed? No, but the science has changed. That's the only thing you're allowed to understand. So here's the new set of rules. But still, despite all this, you must trust the CDC and you must understand that even though we're easing off on these restrictions a little bit, the very deadly pandemic is still very deadly and it's still very pandemic. So continue to wear your masks and continue to get boosters. The UK is actually pushing a new round of Omicron specific boosters. But on the basis of what? The cases? An idea of a disease. The disease only exists in the abstract now. There's an abstraction of a pandemic, an idea of a pandemic in the world. Therefore, we need to get more vaccines to protect us from this idea of a pandemic. It's madness, but you got to keep it going. So what's a good way to keep it going? Well, this is an Albert Bourla tweet from this morning. Albert Bourla is the CEO of Pfizer. I would like to let you know that I have tested positive for COVID-19, hashtag COVID-19. I am thankful to have received four doses of the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine, and I am feeling well while experiencing very mild symptoms. I am isolating and have started a course of Paxlovid. Well, Paxlovid is what Joe Biden just took a couple of weeks ago that made his COVID come back. And he ended up testing positive for a full week more after he had, quote unquote, recovered. So the people who did the research on the virus and who are ultimately responsible in the virus getting out there and causing the very deadly pandemic are the same people who created 
The experimental gene therapy and forced everyone to take it. They signed contracts with countries about how much they were going to buy and how no one could sue them. And they're the same people who created Paxlovid, saying that it's a new cure for COVID, even though it just makes you have more COVID. All of it still works, though. All of it is very responsible science. All of these people are just doing their best to handle this brand new virus that has never existed on the planet. We just have no idea how to handle this thing. So let's lock down the entire world, force people to wear masks that don't work, mandate vaccines that don't work, and then take Paxlovid that also doesn't work. Oh, and if you ask them any questions about the research they did on the virus in the lab, you're a conspiracy theorist still. And all of this remains true even when the CEO of Pfizer gets COVID. Now, is there any good reason to believe that any of the things Albert Burla said in that tweet are actually true right down to the fact that he's tested positive for COVID? Of course not. But he's still putting this narrative out there and telling the world that his products are very good, despite the fact that he got the disease that four shots of his product did not prevent him from getting. But thank goodness he's vaccinated. Otherwise, it could have been much worse. And that's true even if the CDC comes out and tells us that the vaccinated and unvaccinated are just basically the same now and we don't need to test healthy people. All of that is just gone. And with all of that gone and no reason to believe any of the people, the experts telling us about how to handle COVID, COVID essentially does not exist. Now, understand all of that and then move it back in the timeline two years to when all of us understood all of that. The truth underlying all of this is the same either way. The science has not changed. All of these things were true back then. They were true the whole time, but timelines got shifted. What we knew back then was a conspiracy theory back then. Now it's true, but it wasn't true back then because now the CDC and the mainstream media will admit that it's true, but not directly. They don't want people to think that they're lying or trying to deceive everybody. It's just a matter of authority. You see them in their position of authority. They have to be extra, extra responsible, like two years worth of being extra responsible. They can't go out there like we do, uh, we conspiracy theorists, and just go tell people things simply on the basis of them being true. You have to wait until they're very, very, very true, according to the authoritative source, and then they become actually true. And I would say once again, to anybody who doesn't understand this yet, or anybody who has woken up relatively recently, at some point, you have to understand this along an informational timeline. You were prevented from having the truth and being able to speak the truth for two plus years, even though these things were true the entire time. If you had known these things the entire time, would you have governed your life in a different way? Would you have made different decisions? Most importantly, the decision about the vaccine, the experimental gene therapy. If you understood all of this, then you would have understood then there was no reason to get a vaccine. We did not need a vaccine because they were lying about all of the aspects of the pandemic that would justify the use of the experimental gene therapy. 
Instead, millions of our fellow citizens, our friends, our family members injected themselves with an experimental gene therapy that is dangerous. And it's not the same amount of dangerous across the board. There are worse batches than others. But the delivery of the spike protein is going to wreak havoc on people's immune systems. All we know so far is the short term effect. What happens when rather than a year or a year and a half down the line, we find ourselves two years or five years or 10 years down the line? What will be the ultimate result of the fact that millions and millions of people injected themselves with an experimental mRNA technology that delivers spike protein to the body and then triggers your body into producing more of that spike protein that destroys your immune system? What will the effects of that be? How much different would people's lives be if they were at the proper point on the timeline, if they were simply perceiving reality as it exists, the observable, concrete, empirical reality, drawing meaning from that reality, and then making choices on a moral level, exercising their independence of thought and action. But people didn't do that. So now the two years of misinformation and lies have caused millions of people to make terrible decisions that they either regret already or will certainly regret in the future. And if you're awake enough and present enough to understand all this, the next thought to have is on how many other issues am I two years behind in my understanding? And I'm sad to report that it's essentially all of them. Because that's what the mainstream media does. It convinces you of certain things for a certain amount of time. It convinces you above all that you have to believe everything you're being told by them and that the people relaying the information are experts. They are people better than you. They understand all this information better than you. Chris Cuomo is certainly a giant intellect on a scale I, with my small show, could never even hope to reach. And that's why he's on the television. That's why he's on CNN, the most trusted name in news. It's because he knows everything and would never, ever, ever lie. Even while he has Michael Avenatti and Stormy Daniels on his show, even while he repeats proven Russiagate lies and lies about impeachment hoax number one and lies about impeachment hoax number two and lies about January 6th and lies about the election. The television does not exist to tell you what's true. The television exists to tell you what it wants you to believe. And what is it? It is the amalgamation of corporations and world governing bodies that make all of these decisions in line with the richest and most powerful people in the world. The television wants you to believe the central narrative because the central narrative is the story the public is told to promote the needs of the people telling it. That's why they use propaganda. The whole thing is propaganda. That's why they use censorship, because they can't stand dissent, because any smart dissent that gets out to the masses will make it immediately obvious to everyone that the whole thing is a lie and the television cannot be trusted. That's the last thing these people can stand. They can't afford that because if that happens, who is going to give everybody their side of the story? Who's going to be looking out for the richest, most powerful people, the transnational corporations, the UN and the WHO? Who's going to be looking out for NATO and the EU? Who's going to be looking out for the FBI and the CIA? 
independent journalists are never going to do that. Independent journalists are not just going to sit there serving the needs of the power systems in the world. That's why all of us must be destroyed. So speaking of people that the mainstream and the uniparty communists and the globalists would love to destroy, many of us were all in the same room this weekend in Arizona for the pit event. And I want to give some early reactions to that and some of what I took from the event, but the information is still coming out and it's still being analyzed. So I don't want to go through all of it at this point. And the speed at which we are delivering this information is going to be different for all of the people who attended. That's the first thing to note. The second thing is that my honest impression is that no one is doing this in service of some gatekeeping operation. We're not trying to keep the public in the dark about any of this. There was a televised section that was live streamed on RSBN and OAN. And then the cameras went off for a big chunk of the afternoon session. And this is what we were told before the event. A lot of people online have an incorrect impression that the cameras just shut down so that they would never be allowed to see anything. That's not what the intent was. The intent was to approach this information and the story in a different way than information has been approached in the past. And everyone's welcome to feel how they will about that. But I think we can all agree that the way information has been approached and disseminated in the past has not been the best system. If everybody knows everything at the same time, then the mainstream media propaganda operation gets their hands on it at the same time as everyone else. And since they have these massive organizations devoted to creating propaganda as fast as possible and then covering the Internet with it, a potentially effective response to that problem is to give it to people who will not be interacting with the mainstream media. And let these stories develop from the ground up in a different information ecosystem. And I'm inclined to think that's probably a pretty smart approach, or at least it's something well worth trying. But people on the Internet got really upset about this. They've been anticipating this event for weeks. I think it was about 10 weeks ago that Greg Phillips appeared on Patel Patriot's show and said that what they have and what they will be releasing is 10 times as important as the information from 2000 mules. And so people's focus has been pretty much entirely on that part. They were waiting for something massive to arrive that would change everything. And this still might, but it's not all the way there yet. And pieces not being shown to the public as it's happening have made people extremely emotional about their expectations not being fulfilled. On some level, that's understandable, but also it's important to really learn the lesson of this time, which is that we cannot have massive expectations when we're in this sort of information environment because the information changes, the usefulness and timeliness of that information changes and the ways that information needs to develop and needs to move are different relative to the goals and priorities people are hoping to achieve when disseminating the information in the first place. 
Greg Phillips has said and says over and over again, everything is an information op. And people on the internet have taken that to mean everything is a psyop. So all of a sudden, this event is just there to psyop everybody. That is not a rational conclusion to draw. And information operations are not exactly the same as psychological operations. They may share common aspects, but regardless, no one there is trying to gatekeep or mislead or psychologically trick anyone who's interested in all of this information. And if you take a couple steps back from this, then you might consider at least that the information being shown on the live stream could be equally important as the information that was not shown on the live stream. But because some of the information feels more exclusive and more secret, that's the information that all the focus is drawn to. Nonetheless, there was a lot of important information in what was broadcast. And the part of the public presentation that really floored me was what we were given by a woman named Mary Hornick out of New York about weaponized voter rolls. And I want to play some of the audio from that. So what does weaponized voter rolls means? It means that every single registration in the database has its unique parking space. The parking space is known and it can easily be extracted at will, including every phantom registration. In New York, the New York Citizens Audit Team has scoured the voter rolls, and we have identified over 3 million registrations that are 100% positively false. We have 8 million that we have flagged, but some of them we would have to speak to the Board of Elections to verify. Uh, we feel that they are false. It's important to know that this system operates completely independent of any machine or tabulation system used at the polling site. This is based on absentee ballots. If 100,000 absentee ballots come in from the mail or from the mules, what they do, they have a software program that plugs into this matrix. It knows, okay, so if a packet of 10, let's say every third row in every packet of 10 is a phantom registration or every third set of 10 in a bundle of 100. The software knows exactly how to count to that registration, assign the votes, valid or not, and then it unplugs and the votes scatter in an apparently random fashion into a gigantic database never to be seen again. The key holders literally control every election outcome in New York State in every single district. In New York, right now, our children are being indoctrinated with doubt. Doubt in their own goodness and doubt in the goodness of this world. Right now in New York, our children are being indoctrinated with fear. They are subjected to trauma at school and in the news. And the more chaos and violence that erupts in our state, the more criminals our servant government releases into the streets to wreak more havoc. And if their spirits are harmed by all of this, guess what? They have unfettered access in New York to deadly narcotic drugs because of bail reform law. New York Citizens Audit has also discovered that 38% of our state legislature, assembly and Senate, literally has more votes cast in their elections 
from fraudulent, illegal, invalid registrations than their margins of victory. Also, 41% of our congressional representatives, my apologies to the rest of the nation. These people are imposters. Those elections should never have been certified. And who are they putting their signature on laws that create death and destruction across New York State? In addition, to add insult to injury, in New York, another 32% of our state assembly, that's 70% for people who don't do quick addition, 70% now of our state assembly, this other 32%, they are radical progressives the GOP never bothered to oppose 40 state assembly members who walked into office and there was no GOP opponent. Also, there were eight senators and even one congressional candidate. So if you want to see the first part of this presentation where she goes through the system of weaponizing the voter rolls, it's available all over the place. You can simply do a web search on a non-Google or DuckDuckGo search engine. I always use Jabiru. It's virtualmirage.org. Just type in Mary Hornick, H-O-R-N-I-K, weaponized voter rolls, and you can see her go through that. But basically, they have a system that creates a bunch of registrations that they are able to assign votes to. And so 38% of New York's representatives won in races where the margin of victory is eclipsed by the number of purely phantom registrations voting in those races. 38% right there shouldn't be in office at all. Then there's another 32% of their representatives who are Democrats, far left Democrats who run unopposed. The Republican Party of New York does not even put candidates in the race. They just give these races away. Oh, well, you know, those are blue areas. There's no chance that a Republican's going to win. So why bother putting resources over there? Or maybe it's just let's blame it on the citizens. No one wants to step up and run. But the bottom line is that that's a whole lot of people serving illegitimately. Certainly the candidates who won on the basis of these phantom registrations, those people should not be in office. They should not have the right to decide you and your family's future and how you're able to interact with your world. These are the people making decisions about what kind of school you're your kids will attend and what kind of education they'll receive. They're the people who weigh in on the COVID policies. These are the people who determine election law. And if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you will know that for me, all of this is not about Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Donald Trump won the 2020 election and should be sitting as the legitimate and publicly acknowledged president of the United States of America. But it's not just about him. And for me, it never has been. It's about all of them. 90%, I would guess, of our federal government is benefiting from this system. And that's why they didn't object to the fraudulent electors sent for Joe Biden. These people should not be in office at all. They should not have the power to govern anyone. But because the election fraud apparatus remains in place, they have the power to make all sorts of decisions, to give billions and billions and billions of dollars away to the war in Ukraine, to leave our borders open. 
These are the very people who are supposed to be holding the FBI accountable. Can we expect that from them when they're happy to reap the rewards of fraudulent elections and then never tell anyone about it and try to silence anyone who wants to ask questions? The people sitting in political office around the country, right down to the local level, are illegitimate and fraudulently elected. You heard her say they have the capability to choose the winner of every single election in New York state. This isn't a mistake. It's not about Donald Trump. This is the system that exists so that they can control everything and they need to control everything or they wouldn't be able to implement their agenda since no rational, normal human could ever want the agenda that they're thrusting upon the world, which is why they lie about it all the time and censor anyone who disagrees. If the public understands what's really happening, the public realizes they don't want it. So you have to make sure the public doesn't understand. And that is especially true about election fraud, because once the public understands election fraud, all of the power goes away and with it, all of the agenda. That's why the 2020 election is so important and why the efforts against election fraud are so important. That's why we can't look ahead to 2022 or 2024. And speaking of that, people on the Internet got very upset because Catherine Engelbrecht said this. And that really, I think, is is the end of mules. We're the done. The end of mules and scene. We're done. And and honestly, guys, and, and I know we've, don't hold your applause for one more second. Um, it's time to move on. Not to move on to what happened in 2020, because we still have to understand what happened. That is critical. We have to understand that. But we are 90 some days out from 2020. Sorry. 88. Oh, we're 88 days out from, from midterms. And we, we have to find that balance. You have to understand the past is prologue. We have to understand what happened, but we also have to be positioned to move forward. So I don't know how people did this. Maybe they were just being emotional in the chat during the live stream and it kind of spread. But people have taken all of that to mean that Catherine Engelbrecht is saying we should not fix what happened in 2020 and we should only look forward to the future. And some people have even gone so far as to say she's saying look forward to 2024. That's not what she said. And within context, it's certainly not what she meant. So I don't know how people are making this leap. She's saying that she and Greg are done with the 2000 mules portion of their work and what they went on to present through the first half, the open part of the session at the pit was a bunch of different ways that different technologies being used. There are different projects out there that are able to monitor what's going to happen in the 2022 midterms in hopes that they can collect evidence of any wrongdoing in real time and then share it to the open.inc like data repository that they've created where all of that stuff will be, all of that evidence, 
all of the affidavits from people witnessing election fraud around the nation. It'll all just be in this stable spot so that people can come check all of that out and analyze all that data so that the country has a place that citizens individually can go to find out what's happening on the election fraud front in their own communities. And people are somehow mad about this. I'm probably in the upper 1% of the 1% in people who believe we cannot allow 2020's fraudulent election to go unanswered. At the same time, there is, in terms of where we're at today, there is a midterm coming up in under three months. And so there are things that we can be doing to mitigate the fraud, prevent the fraud, deter the fraud, and collect evidence where fraud occurs. That is all still a necessary and important part of how we fix our elections. It's not giving up on 2020 to say, hey, there are things that we could be doing over the course of the next three months to make sure we don't face this problem again in the same way and end up with a brand new batch of representatives that are just as committed to hiding the 2020 fraud as the ones who are there now. And that includes, by the way, members of the Republican Party. She's not saying just forget about all that stuff. She's saying, let's have our eyes on that. But there's also all this stuff we can do to prevent this problem in the future. And so there were presentations about technology that helps in, for instance, monitoring drop boxes. That is something that we really do need to do because the mules hit the drop boxes to inject all of those fraudulent ballots into the election. But people have taken it as if the entire pit event was to throw everyone off the course and get them to stop paying attention to the 2020 election. Well, they have a really strange way of doing that while they go ahead and invite 50 alt journalists who've been covering all this stuff and clearly care primarily about rectifying these problems, why would they invite all of those people? OAN and RSBN were there. Those are the networks that still carry Trump speeches and still cover Trump fairly and honestly. People were there from Uncovered DC. People were there whose faces everyone knows. If you are paying attention to the election fraud that took place in 2020, there were people there who are household names to you. So is everyone just there to get tricked? People who have spent the last two years working on election fraud issues every single day, they're just going to hear those words and have the same misinterpretation and decide, ah, well, yeah, it's time to move on from that thing I've spent the last two years devoting my life to. No one's going to do that. The big story of the afternoon, the one that everyone had their focus on is not fully developed yet. I can try to give you the bones and my impressions, but there's not enough there for me to even fully understand it yet, much less fully communicate it to all of you. And the craziest thing was when I expressed not fully understanding the whole thing yet in a way that I am able to properly communicate to people, people acted like I was somehow lying about that too. That was just part of the psyop. And as my friend Kyle, just human, often says, Understanding is better than reacting. What we had was an emotional response. People misunderstood what was going on, misinterpreted things, and then began lashing out. 
That is not a good place to be mentally. If you're in that place, you need to ground yourself a little bit. You don't just get to say you're frustrated and the whole thing's frustrating. So you get to act however you want and be an asshole to people. We're all frustrated. It's a matter of how you channel it. And there are productive ways to channel it. There are ways to get involved. There are ways to spread information throughout your community. Even if it's just to your friends and family, you keep them moving toward the understanding that the general public will eventually reach. The 2020 election was stolen and everything that has emanated outward from that is also as illegitimate as the election outcome the media gave us. Nobody involved with the pit event has even hinted that this information won't be available within a very short span of time. We're talking about within the next few days, everybody's going to have a better understanding of this as it's all analyzed and the community can weigh in on what all this means. People can do their own research and add it into the general understanding. That's kind of the whole point of the properly functioning information stream that all of us are trying to create. Yet people spent hours over the weekend complaining on Truth Social and Telegram, and I assume the other sites as well, that everybody's just betrayed them. Well, that's not true. And you wasted your time and you wasted other people's time by whining. Now, if this makes you feel bad, I'm sorry, but just take a step back. Think about what you want out of all this. And if you want something better than a justification for being angry and emotional on the Internet, then do something. There are enough little pieces of information out there that people could be researching and focusing on. We were told about a company called Connect, K-O-N-N-E-H-C, and a man named Eugene Yu who had gone through the Confucius Academies. We were told about consent decrees that were issued within weeks of the election that changed the election process after early voting had already started. That's massive. That is massive information that no one has focused on to this point. Now, was it out there? Could people have found it? Yes, or at least maybe, but no one had. So it's new to all of us. So that means new stories can develop. We were told about servers in Wuhan, China involved in our elections. We were told about a system of data collection and tracking that was used to influence our election workers all around the country. They could be paid off. They could be bribed into doing the little things required to make the election fraud apparatus function. Now, if that information was out there prior, I sure didn't know it. And my nose has been to the ground for two and a half years on all of this stuff. But I didn't know it. Does everyone else know it? And I don't. I kind of doubt that. And then the other part of that central story was that Catherine and Greg have had this information and been developing this information. They involved the FBI in this process. They thought an investigation was being done. But then all of a sudden, the investigation was stopped by the FBI which they consider a massive betrayal because this is a national security issue for the United States of America and the FBI turned a blind eye. And to this day, they're not doing anything about it. So all of these aspects were actually new information and all of it is important. But think about the two primary factors here. One, infiltration and influence from China. Two, 
the FBI has betrayed the American people and is not working to protect Americans, even with a grave national security risk present and proven. So again, if everything is an information op, an information operation, how does this function as an information operation? Well, what other stories are we seeing out there that are prominent in the media right now? We know the Hunter Biden story has been developing for a very long time. So we know on some level that Chinese influence and the corruption and compromise of the Biden family and other political families like Nancy Pelosi's, for instance, that's a big story in the public spotlight. It's calling the public's attention to the fact that China has infiltrated our federal government. And then we also have the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago, the Chinese infiltration and the FBI's betrayal of the American people are both stories right now that are present in the public consciousness. And we have another layer of those same two issues being added now. If momentum grows behind this layer, people who would not have believed this stuff two years ago might well believe it now because they understand Chinese infiltration better and they understand the FBI's betrayal better. So whether or not you think this is 10 times more important than the information from 2000 mules, which by the way, wasn't new. Okay. It wasn't new. It had been out there for a really long time, way before the documentary came out. The documentary felt good because everybody had their suspicions confirmed by a movie and you could give it to other people who believe things that the television says, and then they can watch it and be like, okay, you were right. Well, you don't have that on this one, at least not in the first 48 hours. So sorry, but this is actually a more important issue. And again, you're welcome to disagree with that, but to then disagree with that aspect of it and say that the whole thing was a failure and that everyone there is participating in a psyop to trick you. I mean, come on, guys. Now, if this is not resonating with you, if you're not the kind of person who reacted this way emotionally to everything, then good. I'm glad you're listening to my show. And I hope that my approach has brought you to a place where you don't react emotionally to all these sorts of things. This is still big news. It is also part of a process. You have to keep everything in its proper context. And in regard to my own interaction with the pit story leading up to it, I haven't hyped it. I didn't make big promises. I said specifically, I thought we were going to get some good new information that would continue us down the road, a brand new story, which we have multiple of, but that I thought we would probably see the rest of the primary elections play out until the middle of September before any massive revelation about election fraud in the United States in the 2020 election and beyond would be fully exposed and revealed. And if this is all part of some ongoing sting operation, which I believe there is ample evidence to support, why wouldn't you want all of it? And as we see week after week, each and every one of these primaries is influenced in one way or another by the election fraud apparatus. That's what we want to get rid of. But until it's gotten rid of, until the public fully understands, we might as well track as much of it as possible. So Greg Phillips is going on Patel Patriots show this afternoon, and they're going to discuss what was revealed at the pit. 
I will be on Patel Patriot show tonight, as will a bunch of other people in our little community. And I just to wrap up, I want to say it was really great to be around a group of people who I've been interacting with on some level, not all of them, of course, but, you know, 15, 20, 30 people whose work I've seen and respected people who I have conversations about all this stuff with really great to meet them, really solid people. And for me, it was nothing but a positive experience. I went there to observe what was happening, to see what this piece of the puzzle was all about. I was invited. I decided to go. I was the one who paid all the expenses because I wanted to be a part of it. We weren't like flown on private jets so that we could all witness this secret affair. This is a bunch of people trying to do the right thing. So please be patient, stay open, and let's let the thing develop because it is developing. And we're going to gain a continually better understanding of this and the role it plays in the story at large. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com. And you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!